Special thanks to Focus Asset Management for helping us bring you today's PO Leadership's Snippet Podcast. Welcome to our Snippets Podcast. I'm Leon Gorin, CEO and President of PO Leadership, North America's premier peer-to-peer network and leadership advisory firm. Today, I'm very excited to have Abby Nanendran, the CEO of EarthRated. If you own a dog, you know who EarthRated is. In fact, four and a half million people use EarthRated poop bags every day in 40 plus countries. The company is a certified B Corporation and employs 72 people with its head office located in Montreal. Abby recently joined PO Leadership and is part of an entrepreneur group led by Miguel Gonzalez. It's been an awesome addition to the group and the greater PO Leadership community. Abby, it's great to have you with us today. Thank you, Leon. It's my pleasure. So I thought we'd just kick it off. You have the company founded in 2009, but give us a little bit of background and what inspired you to co-found it back then? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a strange business. Everybody asking this question. So um, company started in 2009, but the idea came about, I would say, a couple of years before that. Uh, not really an idea, but the need for it came about a couple of years before that. So my wife and I, we've been living together since we were in our 20s. And we were living downtown at that time. And then my, at one point, we had, we had our dog and my wife comes to me with this like cute little bag to pick up poop. And I said, what's, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? You know? <laughs> you know, at that time, you'd go to a grocery store and you'd grab as many bags as you want and nobody questioned anything, right? So, oh, yeah. and she's like, yeah, but it's cute. It's convenient. And I asked her how much she paid. And, you know, it came out to like almost 50 cents a bag. And I said, this is absurd. Like you, you can't take free bags and pay 50 cents because it's cute. And, you know, I didn't think much of it because she still kept doing it here and there. And, um, you know, fast forward a couple of years later, I was my partner at that time, my original partner at that time was, uh, was a fantastic uh, graphic designer that I used. And he was heavily involved in, you know, the shelters and uh, the pet space. And I, I still had my dog at that time. And I said, listen, my, you know, there was this time my wife kept buying these bags. I found some suppliers that could potentially make it for us significantly better They've got this compostable uh, bags that they're doing for traditional bags. And I think we can make it for poop bags. And, you know, they've got this other stuff for biodegradability. Um, do you want to do something with me? So we kind of started off as a, it was really literally a pet project. Um, you know, we put it maybe seven and a half thousand dollars each. We set it up. We called it poopbags.ca. It was a direct-to-consumer business. So believe it or not, 2009, direct-to-consumer, not retail, no distribution, nothing. So we launched this website. And we had this little nifty thing, you know, just to get people hooked into it. It says free samples. If you wanted to look at our bags or touch our bags, we give you a free sample. So, you know, we expected one or two of these to come through, but we ended up on one of those uh, coupon websites, you know, like people that just sign up for free free stuff. We've got thousands of them, thousands overnight. And I'm like, you know, and I made that call at that time. I'm like, you know what? We're going to send everybody samples. And, you know, I had my parents, my sisters, everybody helping me, you know, we'd unroll the bags because we, yeah. we, we don't want to ship them in a, in a box. So we'd unroll the bags, put them in an envelope, put them in a little gift card, like, a, you know, a coupon. And that's literally how we launched the business. And then a couple of months later, we had retailers because we, you know, at that time with Google AdWords, we would only go after um, cities that we can ship relatively easy, right? We didn't want to, sh- you know, strip from Montreal all the way to Vancouver, so we really targeted Ontario, Quebec. Um, so we had stores in Ontario, Quebec calling us saying, hey, I've got customers coming in with this product and I'd like to carry you. Uh, and I said, well, I don't know how to sell to you. You know, we're a direct-to-consumer business. Our products are quite bulky. They're made for like a year's worth. No one's going to buy a year's worth in retail. 
So as more of these conversations started coming on, I said, look, I think we've got to pivot this business and stop with the direct-to-consumer. It's very time-consuming. And let's, let's see what uh, retail is like. In September of that year, there was a, uh, a trade show in, in Mississauga at that time. It, it was like the biggest thing for us. And now I look at it, it's probably one of the smallest trade shows uh, that we do now. So we, we, we put this boot together, scrappy, you know, like we didn't have a lot of money put it together, we go out there, we start talking to people and we signed up about 150 retailers that day, um, which was a big thing. Yeah. So that was pretty much the end of our direct-to-consumer business. We focused really retail and distribution. And then three years later, we kind of did the same thing. We did our first trade show in the US. And then ever since then, we've just been you know, gobbling up uh, kind of market share where we go. Um, so now we're close to 40 countries. And, you know, last I checked, we were probably got six, seven more countries to add to that, that the team is really working on. Like they just signed on Australia. In a nutshell, that's the story. Predominantly now, up to 80% of our business is the poop bags. And 20% of the business is the wipes, which we launched two years ago. So we've literally been a single skew company for a better part of uh, 10 years. So what a, a such an amazing story. Like, I mean, you think about how many single item companies can survive they get the lift and then that's it and, and you guys i mean it's 13 14 years already yeah uh, and are most of your sales south of the border now or yeah absolutely i would say 60 percent of our business is the u.s well actually sorry 50 percent of our business is the u.s 10 percent canada and then the rest uh, in the uk is a big market for us and then it just starts spreading out uh, towards the rest of the countries and as you've grown, you know, one thing that hits me, do you ever think about expanding your SKU? I know you have a couple of, you have the whites we have. now. So, yeah, so we've, we've probably hit a plateau of sorts. Not a plateau, but we've, we've kind of, we're everywhere we need to be, right? We're at Target, we're at Walmart, we're at Pepco, we're at PetSmart. So we've hit that plateau and we, we have a strong, you know, high uh, market share concentration. So we started really building up a team to work on the innovation pipeline. So prior to this, prior to about, a year ago, there was nobody else working on innovation except for myself, right? They'd be like, hey, Abby has an idea. Let's test it out. Let's put it through. Whether or not there was data to back it or not, that's we just went with it. So I hired an amazing um, director of innovation uh, last year, and we put together a team of uh, six people now. We've got a, an innovation center we opened up as well. So we've got an exciting pipeline coming out. So we want to stay mostly in consumable because that's that's what we're good at. We, we're good at getting people into our brand, and we get to we make great products that People didn't think they really needed, and we put a lot of innovation into the simplest of things. And then once people are in, they're they're stuck with us for life, literally. <laughs> no, I believe I'm one of those customers, right? You can't, yeah. you can't give it up, and you're always like, "Where do I get it?" All right, so it brings me back to you talking about the innovation person. So I go in a glass store, and I want to I hear about your culture, and I hear about your people. I start reading things there, and it's absolutely fantastic. I hear words like exceptional team, incredible energy, products that can be we can be proud of. Oh my God, yes. Amazing place to work. And then I read also something as part of your starter kit, you get AirPods. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. That made it on Glassdoor. <laughs> yeah. And I, I know you got AirPods on now. I'm like, I've never heard of that. No company does that. So I, I think it's very unique. I think there's two things about the culture. I think, I'll, you know, I'll go back and talk about the, the people side first. And, you know, I, uh, I was talking to you earlier and I said, I, I, I was born in Sri Lanka. I came here when I was five. We weren't really that well off in Sri Lanka by any means, but 
you know, by Shorkin standards, we were okay, you know, but with, with the, the Civil War, we moved out and my parents worked factory jobs all their lives. You know, my dad uh, washed dishes as second, second jobs. And I would always hear, you know, money was always a thing that, that was talked about. And you could tell that was one of those things that people struggled about. But outside of that, it's just, I, I didn't understand how people could be treated badly, right? I think somebody that works for you could be treated so badly. And uh, I would say, you know, the later part of my lives, and I, you know, my dad stuck around at this one warehouse for 15 years. And, and the owner of that company wasn't rich by any means. He was this Jewish man, but I still remember he, you know, he barely knew me. He sent me an envelope with, you know, a hundred bucks for uh, my wedding. Um, he was there at my grandmother's funeral and people like that kind of had an influence in me. And I said, well, that's how business should be run. Right. And so I, you know, in the early part of the days, I would put this lens of how would I, how would I want my parents treated? So I think when you kind of look at it that way, it's really easy to make decisions. Obviously, I, I, I you know, profitability matters, but I think yeah. if you have to sacrifice how you treat people for profitability, then maybe that business shouldn't be sustaining whatsoever, right? So I would say the early parts, that's how I built the core of how we treat people. And obviously, as you grow, you got to, you know, performance comes into play and you got all those other things. So we've been, yeah. we've been able to scale that successfully, but also implementing, you know, some of the more important rigors that we need as a company. And the other part about the perks and stuff. So I'm, I'm very much a, uh, an experienced person. And, and I think it's, it's more fun to share experience with people than it is to do it alone. So, I mean, my friends will tell you, I'll take them to the best restaurants. I'll take them. So all the cool things, because I want them to experience some of the things that I experience in life. Part of the AirPods is, is whatever, you know, like we have an open concept office. It's a beautiful office and we've got tons of awards for this office because part of creating the office was how, you know, when you spend eight hours a day, you want this place to be more comfortable than your home. And that's what we've adapted to it, right? So one of the things that comes with it is with an open concept is there's noise, right? So how do you make sure yeah. people are comfortable? So everybody gets AirPods when they start. And part of also having the best tools is also you understand the value of great things. And then you're like, what we put out could be great because all we touch is great things every day. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's a, it, you know, people kind of, you know, people go out and they're like, man, it's kind of freaky. Everything's so organized. Everything looks good. And I said, well, that's kind of how I want it to be. That's the essence because, you know, that's how, when we put out stuff, it's, it's an extension of how we're living here. So it's funny, I, I got to ask you this question because I, I sit in all these groups, right? And everybody's talking about people coming back to work, coming back to the office, the hybrid. What's your office like? Do you have even these issues? Uh, no, we don't have these issues. So er, early on um, during the pandemic, when we were like five people, uh, you know, I started catering lunches and yeah. we started catering lunches and now it's a full-time thing. So we've got full-time catered lunch every day. It's a taxable benefit, yes, but we pay out of pocket and uh, everybody gets, you know, from whatever dietary restrictions to, you know, everybody gets catered lunch, that's fresh fruits, there's, you know, desserts, there's everything. During the pandemic, I work out every day and I couldn't work out. So there was this gym that closed down um, during the pandemic. And I said, listen, can I, you know, pay half the rent? And I just want the gym to myself. So I, I kind of did that and I loved it. And I said, well, how, how can I how can I offer this to my employees? Again, it's an experience thing. I'm like, hey, Abby likes this. I think other people would like it. So, you know, with that comes a struggle, you know, talking to my partners, hey, I want to build a gym. And so I built a gym. I built this incredible gym. Um, we've got basketball courts. It's a uh, five-minute walking distance from here. We've got uh, twice a week yoga. We have five days functional training. 
and we have three other days of like high intensity training. So it's, it's all part of the culture. And I think it's, you know, when people are happy, people are energized and, you know, and exercise is really fundamental for, I think, a clear head, right? I think yeah. it, you can be going through a lot of stuff, but just that physical exercise gives you that, that endorphin kick to really get you through your day. So I see people, you know, they, they're, they're at the gym at noon, they're, you know, grabbing a lunch and they get back to work. Some people work out at night. So it's part of the whole experience. And when you have all of that, and then you give people the flexibility, you know, we've got, we've got mothers, we've got uh, people with kids, um, take family members, whatever. And you give those people the opportunity to work with, around their schedule. Uh, for the most part, you get everybody's here. And the only hard exception to that we make is like today, the office is empty. We call it Focus Fridays. So Focus Fridays is work. Don't schedule any uh, meetings. And let people really wrap up their week. You know, like, you know, when you're in a, especially in a young organization like us, we've got Slack, we've got emails, we've got, you know, Google Meets and everything going on. So we kind of wanted to say, look, don't make any of those meetings. Don't do any of that. Fridays, work from wherever you want and, you know, clock out whenever you want. So that's been something that's been really successful. And that's how I found my middle ground. It sounds fantastic. Like I just listen to you talk and I just think about young people. I think about anybody actually working in your environment. It'd be an unbelievable environment. Yeah. Kudos for you that, Abby. My last question, because I know we're so tight on time and I can keep going here, but you're a certified B Corp. Motivation and what was involved and was it worthwhile at the end of the day? Absolutely. So again, I think up until B Corp and us talking about those things. So again, I've been, you know, humble beginnings, right? What When you do something good, you don't want to brag. But, you know, when, when I have a, a team joining in, you know, my CMO um, and all these people, and they're like, well, you do all these great things, but nobody knows about it. I said, yeah, but why should people know about it? I do it because that's the right thing to do. So part of B Corp is to really showcase the great work we're doing. So we're like, hey, we're doing all these things. And there's an organization that will hold us accountable and actually help us find ways to improve. So it was a lot of work. And then it's not like you do it once and you stop. It's every two years. You've got to you got to make sure that, you know, when the new standards come in, you got to be able to say, okay, have we achieved this or have we not? And there's definitely been gaps that we found. We were able to improve. So my partner, Monica, really headed that, uh, spearheaded that, and she put a lot of work in. And then it becomes a really a cross-functional um, thing. So we've got team members that, from every department that are part of the, uh, the B Corp uh, program. Well, Abby... Thanks so much for taking the time to join us and even sharing some of those insights. I mean, they're extremely valuable and I'm sure some of the members are actually going to grab a couple of your thoughts there. I think it's great. And if I can influence some people, you know, like I've been influenced, uh, you know, like I said, some of the bosses my parents have, I think that's where capitalism should ultimately go to, right? It's, you have to find that middle ground. You know, it's not, it's not profit at all expense. And it's finding purpose, purpose right? And meaning yeah. and making a difference to people who are working Absolutely. with you. No, it's awesome. If you're interested in our live webcast, The Way Forward Live, and or any other snippets, please take a moment and visit us at poleadership.com. You'll see uh, some highlights on our live web taken from the conferences. You'll also see Morgan Housel, Professor Janice Stein. We have Harvard's Rosabeth Cantor. The list goes on as we cover topics such as growth, uncertainty, mental health, leadership, the new world, and a host of others. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you again shortly.